0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited to bring you this one. Kathy, welcome back. Julie, welcome back. Seb, always good to see you. And Sean, again, thank you for joining us. We have a fantastic day. Just a quick heads up, make sure you're all doing this. Like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all that great stuff, get yourself your email in the morning when we go live, which is, of course, every day. So, uh, quick... uh, Man, my brain failed me right there, <laughs> boom, right at the beginning of the show. So uh, just a quick reminder, none of us are doctors. I do want to say, take everything everything we do say is our own personal experience, and uh, do take it with a grain of salt. Do your own research, absolutely. If you have any thoughts or questions, by all means, put them up in the comments, and we will put them up on the screen and discuss them and go from there. Any thoughts or questions before we dive into the convo? Everybody good? All right, let's dive in. So today's topic is mind-body connection. And I think this is an interesting topic, because, especially for this group, because we have some high performers here, and they have years of experience of mind-body connection. And I don't just mean proprioception, like you're knowing your body in space, but what I mean is the actual separation slash connection, where that line is between who you are, somewhere up here and the meat suit that we're all driving. So let's, uh, I'm going to go around the table here and let's see what you guys think. What is your first thought on the mind body connection? Julie, I'm going to start with you. What do you think?
1: I would say I was thinking about this a little bit this morning when I saw the theme and my initial thought was, you can do so much, your body can do so much more than you think, if you don't let your mind get in the way.
0: Hmm. That's great. That's a great statement. Uh, Seb, what do you think?
2: Exactly, exactly the same. If you if you don't mind, it won't matter. This is my version of mind over matter.
3: Hmm. I like
2: that. Kathy, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I love Seb's interpretation. Yeah. um, I definitely believe that what you believe you can achieve. And that's a mind-body connection for sure. Anything you put into your brain, you're going to be able to make your body do it if you believe strong enough. Hmm.
4: Sean, what were your thoughts, initial thoughts right off the back? Well, I didn't think it through very much at all. But as I'm just listening to the panel, I am forming things in real time. So here's a couple of uh, ideas that just came to mind, no pun intended. First things first, the mind-body connection. Well, what is our mind and what is our body? I guess we could break it down into all kinds of uh, uh, ideas, philosophical and uh, uh, quantum mechanic and all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, I I feel that this body that we've got is working in uh, collaboration with our minds. and our mind forms our world based on its sensory inputs in fact coincidentally i had no intention of writing what i wrote this morning in my instagram uh, post before i came onto this live chat uh, but i kind of discussed the i was leaning against a wall in paris exactly a year ago and it was some abstract art that i was leaning on it was graffiti And as I looked at the image this morning with no idea of what I was going to write about it, I thought how interesting that uh, a human being is standing in a real world leaning on a wall that is defined by quantum mechanics or quantum physics. And it's an image of non-realistic abstract art that uh, could be the real world, depending on how my brain interprets it. So the abstract art is real or is the real world abstract? I'm not sure. But then that's for me, my senses to understand the world around me. It's for my eyes, my 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 feel, all of my senses to determine what's going on in the real time, bring that into my brain, and my brain is responsible for collating it all and patternizing it and understanding that I'm leaning on a wall on abstract art that isn't real world, it is an art world, and I'm looking out at the real world, so it's my brain's job to understand the world around me through my body, through my senses. So our the more our bodies experience, the more our bodies are connected to the real world, the more our minds are connected to the real world. And so Uh, I guess what I'm saying is in order to have a better understanding of the world around us, you need to connect your mind to your body through more sensory input as you uh, move through life.
0: Hmm. Seb, I saw you nodding quite a bit there. You got any follow-up on that?
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think Sean
2: is is onto something, and I think we've spoken about this before, but anything that you take on... um, that affects you that affects your mind or affects your body is automatically pulling the other one into the equation and so we can't address things in a separated way even the way we have it we have it framed now mind and body separated those two things are not separated they're they're interacting at you know at every chance that we get and 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 everything we do is there is some interwoven connection there so it's it's about I believe it's about understanding that. And once we understand that, we can start addressing things in a different way. And if you don't address things in a different way, you'll find out soon enough that the body is connected to the mind by having some psychosomatic reactions. So you'll have some physical reactions or physical symptomology based upon how you're living. So whatever it is that's affecting you, that's affecting your mind will eventually reverberate through your physical being and inversely is also... And and I've been looking for a word for when it's the other way around. And I I couldn't find one ever. (laughs) So if anybody knows, please fill me in. Uh, Kathy,
0: got any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was just pondering this earlier. And it brings it back to that, you know, the woman who can pick up a car if her child is under it, you know, simply from mind power, pretty much. I mean, obviously, she doesn't have that physical capability to do it. and. but suddenly she does. And literally that's because of our mind, our brain says we have to, you know, and she picks up the car with one hand and the child escapes. And that always, you know, that image, I guess has stuck with me since I heard it in school or whatever. And um, I've always believed that uh, to relate to competition, I guess, you know, regardless of the skill level or the physical capability of my opponent, I believe that if I, believe harder or have better mental capacity than her that I can beat her. And that's why I always hanker back to the 90% mental, 10% physical when it comes to jujitsu or any competitive sport. And uh, just that woman moving the car because her child is underneath it and can do so physically is how it impresses upon my mind that that mind body connection.
0: Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, Julie, any thoughts on, what we've gone over so far
1: yeah that's exactly it kathy it's uh on the day of your competition whatever it may be whether it's jujitsu or bike racing or whatever sport that you have it's going to be your mental game that is going to move you forward so as long as you've done the work and you've put all the training in on the day of competition you have to be mentally stronger than who you're racing against or competing against and that will move you forward and let you have your best day on the bike or mats uh wherever the case may be
0: Hmm. so i have i have a question sean you got anything any other thoughts on this before i do
4: yes i do so the sorry about that i'm trying to mute as much as possible So the um, something that I saw this morning again uh, on Instagram before I hopped over here real quick was a post put up by uh, Pat McNamara over at uh, the University of Badassery podcast, I think it is. And uh, it was just a small clip and he was talking about how when he was in tier one, uh, tier one unit and uh, generally how each guy was very, very similar, almost cut from the same cloth as it were that is the mindset, uh, mostly. And uh, the, as, as Pat Max said, uh, and, and I agree, one thing about Tier one is put up or shut up. Put up or shut up. You you can either do it or shut up. And so there isn't a whole lot of talking in, in Tier one. There's a whole lot of doing. And so the mind body connection at Tier one, is proven time and time again as a patternized, reinforced process of you can do anything in the world. But the only reason that you can understand that is because you do everything in the world. And so there's an important difference between mind-body connection in an abstract art way and a real art way. And so uh, to Julie's point in uh, mountain bike racing, and, and I, I actually refine your uh, statement, to Kathy, a little bit more. I refine it for me, not for you or for anyone else. I've been saying it for, I don't know, a couple of decades. Uh, life is 90% mental and the other 10% is mental. And I'm sure Julie's heard me say racing is 90% mental and the other ni- 10% is, is mental. And that's 24-hour solo mountain bike racing, that is life. In fact, I put a post up about that just a few days ago. I feel so strongly about the mind Runs the program, the mind runs the body. But the body is responsible to collect data. It's responsible to collect sensory information and form patternized uh, uh, solutions within our minds so that we can connect with the real world around us in a rapid fire fashion and, and be highly fluidized in the moment. And so, tier one is a put up or shut up, it is uh, rely on all of your patternized experiences and execute against it. That, that is what I think all humans should be striving for, is that patternized execution of life where you are connecting with as many experiences as you can in order to make your mind uh, more capable on the daily.
0: Yeah, 100%. Now, um, anybody got any thoughts on that before I answer this question? I... <laughs> God, got the mic um, Take,
2: let's go for lunch, guys. Yeah, let's call it a day. Eleven minutes in, Sean
0: wins the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, so, the question that I want to ask is: where does where does uh, drive or the you know the mind running the program deviate into delusion? Because if you say, "I believe I can do anything I want," well, okay, well, I'm going to go and win a you know world BJJF tournament right now, like. That's there. There's a there's a line there where it becomes. You're not thinking of what's what you're actually capable of right now. Like you're, there's a disconnect between your mind and your body. So, really, what I'm asking is, where do you think that line is drawn? Because as you said, Sean, um, put up or shut up. But that is a body driven thing. You're actually acting out <clears throat> what you think you're capable of. But if you think of you're capable of more than what you're physically actually capable of, I'm going to go do a thousand pull-ups, whatever you want to say. So, where does that line deviate?
3: I Kathy? think, I think Jake Paul is a good, like, kind of a good example of this because he's so delusional, but yet he accomplished the things he set out to do. He's not my favorite in the whole world, but he's a great example of this delusion that can come become reality. He just set out to be, you know, I'm going to be number one in the world when he had zero physical anything. He was a high school grade eight wrestler or something. That was his only fight background. But then he's just delusional in his statements about I'm going to be the best in the world. I'm going to be the, the number one fighter and I'm going to make the most money of any fighter in history of mankind. And he just states this to the world, believes it so strongly. Then all his backers prop him up to becoming that and he believes it strongly enough he becomes it and he did he did have to put aside his delusions a little bit and get the physical aspects going but you know he did that as well and then he put in the work and then it just kept being a vicious cycle of putting in the work reinforced his you know delusions of winning and he'd win and then he'd put in the work more and then he'd keep winning and he put in the work more and his delusions became more of a reality and now his delusions are 100% reality he's probably the highest paid fighter of all time in history of mankind mm-hmm. and he's getting all the fame he needs and he says i'm going to be number 1 in ufc he'll probably attain it you know it's strange that somebody can have such grand delusions yet still attain them
4: actually i think mm-hmm. the uh you, you said uh, delusional i think it's his opponents that are delusional yeah maybe no, well How did it it work out for Diaz there uh, just a few days ago? Am I wrong? So, you know, Nate Diaz showed up delusional, thinking that it was going to be easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy. I looked at uh, Diaz's frame before he stepped into that ring. He He didn't look trained. He didn't look like he was really hungry. He didn't look like he was there to win, in my opinion. I'm just saying. And so I think the delusional aspect of this is uh, Jake Paul's opponents, not Jake Paul.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and there's another there's another piece to this. I think part of the reason why he's making so much money in doing this is because people s- perceive it as being a, del- a delusion and they want to pay to see it. And yeah. it, be- it becomes like a train wreck. But th- but that's a smart HR or PR maneuver because really he was already training for a long time when he first took his first fight and he was gifted. Everybody who ever, you ever know, fought him in the ring had said to him, you could go somewhere with your boxing. So it's not based upon a complete fallacy. Quite to the contrary, he was in putting in the work. Then he started the delusion to get to drum up some, some you know...
3: PR. Some,
2: yeah, some, some, to drum up some attention. And it worked sure in did. the world that we live in, right? And everybody was wanting to see this train wreck unfold. And when it turned into less of a train wreck that everybody sort of expected they gave him props for being a a decent boxer and so now that he's fought a couple guys that were legitimate fighters and knocked him out or or took him out in one way or another he's convinced himself that he is as good as he says he is and 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 by way of actioning that weaponizing this his thoughts and his words we're now seeing the outcome of that so i believe there's a there's a strong there's a strong difference between somebody that's truly delusional i.e you haven't put in any work and now you're going to be the IBGJF world champ that's not happening but if you've put in the work that the i that a IBGJF that could be expected from an IBGJF world champ at some point you will earn the right to say that and if you're if you're extrapolating it and say this is in five years it makes it more reasonable but if you are competing and you are at that level and you know it And you say next year i'm winning then all bets are
4: off if the work has been put in right and and you know there is a there's an important difference between delusional and a madman Mm -hmm. and and i know that kathy you understand the difference you 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 chose the word uh, delusional but it got us through this conversation that's good but there's a difference between delusional and just being a little bit of a freak i i've been called a freak (laughs) <laughs> uh, but it's got me places uh, because I'm hyper-focused sometimes because I'm not willing to accept the compromise of what other people think are possible. I'm not into mediocrity. Uh, Julie knows this, and I know this uh, about Julie, the, the game that uh, I used to play and the game that she's currently playing, which is 24-hour solo mountain bike racing. You've got to be a little mad. you got you got to be a little out there to chase world championship titles in 24-hour solo mountain bike racing because it is not common, it is unusual. And so I think that there has to be a little bit of crazy in you. And I'm not ca- saying crazy bad, I'm saying crazy freaking good in order to pursue those kind of uh, uh, things.
0: Julie, any yeah, thoughts on that? Oh. Kathy, you got any oh. further on that? Where do we got? All right, let's go to Julie, you go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say, yeah, I get called crazy and a freak all the time when people, I get a sense of 24 hour racing and, and that's kind of my thing. Even the other day I was out riding and I saw a friend and I went past him on a climb and then I heard him in the background and he was yelling at me to go faster and faster. And then he was talking to his friend and I just heard him say, oh yeah, she's training for the Olympics. And I was kind of laughing because I mean, clearly I'm not going to the Olympics. But in my own little world, you know, world 24-hour solo championships, that is the Olympics in my sport. So it was kind of funny, but I agree with Sean's point. You do have to be a little freakish, a little nuts to be on your bike for 24 hours. I mean, it's really not normal. So you uh, you are a little crazy, a little nuts, and to Sean's point, in a good way. And uh, just to follow up to what Kathy and Seb have said, you know, as long as you put the work in. So, I mean, you can't be a 24 hour mountain bike solo championship if you've never ridden a bike before. So you've got to put the work in. And then if you believe in it and do the work, then that will come and you can achieve what it is that you're hoping to strive for. As long as you're dedicated, put the work in and have the right mindset. Hmm.
0: I really like that. It, uh, goes into my next question here but I'm just going to hit these comments unless anybody's got any other thoughts
2: quick just before just I, one I thing for quickly it. so you know when we talk the concept of um, of um Jesus manifestation when we <laughs> when we talk about the concept of manifestation is you know a lot of people and a lot of thoughts around this um, making it a spiritual thing what 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 it really is 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 simply you lining up actions with thoughts right so you're you're actually starting to take the actions needed to to manifest those thoughts and eventually they manifest themselves because you've put in the work in the right direction with the outcome in mind. And so it's not something that's I'm not taking the spirituality out of anything we do in life because it's it's constantly there, but it's certainly not spiritually it's not a spiritual pursuit. It's 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 a it's an actual pursuit where 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 you're going to do the things that you need to do to achieve the things that you want to do. And that's how manifestation works.
3: Uh,
0: agree any other thoughts before i hit these comments real quick yeah
3: manifestation it's 100 percent what seb Seb just said it you can put something up on the fridge that you know this is what i do anyway put put things on the fridge for goals that you want to manifest but i mean you can't just let it sit there and uh, hopefully achieve them one day you have to put in the work obviously along the way to make them happen I, I train seven days a week right now because I've got the fridge goal to try to achieve coming this September 1st so you know then you have your short term and your long term and all the rest goals do whatever method works for you put it on the fridge um, or whatever you have for a method I use the fridge goal as my method but um, you know you have to put in the work but there is a, a certain amount of that manifestation of mind control because if you just put a goal up there and you do the physical yeah there's there's nothing that will achieve that goal if you don't have that complete mind control to make it happen and again back to that 90 percent mind control manifestation i think a lot of it is just thinking it and it's going to happen and a lot of it is putting in the work in behind for sure but when it comes to the actual competition day or the cycling day or whatever honestly it's it comes down to in an opponent situation your mind control is going to be better than hers and that's the only reason you're going to win Mm. in my mind
0: yeah no it makes sense um There, there sure. is a little
4: bit more yeah. that I'd like to add to that because uh this it's it's a long journey, uh not just a uh, showing up in an event and deciding whether you win or lose. The journey is actually the award is is the is the win and so uh it's only a win scenario if you're engaged in the process correctly. and what do I mean by that? so uh, we're talking about mind body connection. So like Kathy said, you can have something on your fridge that says, go be mega. And you can stare at that every morning and not do anything about it. And you'll never be mega. Uh, You can have that thing on your fridge and you can stare at that thing called go be mega. And you can start like in your head, walking out your front door every morning and thinking, going to be mega, going to mega that, going to mega that. This is all going to be mega. But unless you're putting the mega actions behind the mega thoughts, you still don't have a mind-body connection. You've just got a mind, but no mind-body connection. Now, let's pretend for a moment.
3: enough, right?
4: That, that's right. So let's pretend for a moment that you make your mind-body connection, where your mind is telling your body what to do. And you understand why you're doing that towards your fridge goal, as the example. Well, here's where it kind of falls apart, even for seasoned athletes or seasoned performers or seasoned humans. They make that mind-body connection based on the fridge goal. But then they don't stay in the now while they're in the task at hand for that day. So they'll churn out their workout. They'll churn out their workload. They'll churn out their XYZ, whatever the task is to reach that fridge goal. But they're not in it in the now. They're not paying attention to the mind-body connection in the real time. It'll kind of go along these lines. Man, I got to go crack out a mega run. Start stop okay now what's next they missed an entire run where their mind was not connected to their body where they were not facing the adversity where they were not understanding their ebbs and flows where they were not understanding when they were happy and sad and blah 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 in order to create a mind-body connection you've got to be in the now and you've got to focus on what you're doing now in order to understand a mind-body connection otherwise it's just your mind saying start stop what's next? good
3: points. yeah. yeah. Good point. and then just just to, just to add to this for sorry, sorry but go go just
2: ahead. to add to this for because it's it's an incredibly powerful point um, but also it makes you enjoy the process. and that's an important piece because we, we we anybody who's pursued anything with any level of obsession will wake up one day with whatever it is that they wanted and and not having seen the time go by and where and, and enjoy the process. Necessarily, I know. I know for myself. I was so focused on getting to where I was wanting to go that I probably missed 15 years of my life, which really helped me get where I was wanting to go. There's no question. But also, those 15 years could have been my last ones. Like, I, who knows? I didn't know how much time I had left on this planet, and the relationships that were, you know, hurt as a result of this and whatever. So there is a way to do it, and to to to. To stay in the moment as well, so that you get the enjoyment out of the work that you are putting in for the for, for an outcome that will be unaffected by what it is that you are that you are doing. You
3: know, <clears throat> I agree. The enjoying the process, like for example, hanging out with you guys down there doing jujitsu and and getting to see the friendships again, and balancing that with a, mo- a mother daughter photo shoot, and some of the things along along the way that are balanced there's so much more uh less obsessed i am now and trying to enjoy the process and the journey along the way instead of just okay i'm gonna smear every person that i fight today and absolutely destroy them tap them all out and that's my goal and that that's all i need to achieve for today because that's all that matters and i get too temporarily obsessed and then that was me like 10 years ago and now it's like oh i'm gonna go visit seb i get to see michelle i'm gonna connect with my friends there i'm gonna see if i can make an impression on another girl on the mats today show her a tip that might help her in her game and then also get to go back and have lunch with my mom and then get to visit with her and you know so this whole process of calming down from the entire temporary obsession that i get that i get so worked up that nothing else matters and mow down the world and hurt people in the process and not notice that it's something that's come to be in only the last decade for me and Seb, you hit the nail on the head with that. The enjoying the process has got to be so paramount that what happens is when your temporary obsession fridge goal is met, you don't just, your life is over now, you know, because that's Mm -hmm. happened to me a few times where I've got the goal. Now I rip that off the fridge and go, okay, what next? I just absolutely have nothing in my life because that temporary obsession was so strong when the goal was achieved. There was, I wasn't worth anything after Mm -hmm because there's nothing left it put another goal up but Mm -hmm. you don't you miss the whole process like you say 15 years of your life and what connections did you miss what people did you uh maybe mow down and not notice in your process of trying to get to your goal so very good point about that Seb.
0: yeah julie you had a thought a second ago
1: oh i was just gonna agree with what everyone had said that the process is definitely a key part of it if you're out there every day doing the thing that you're training for and you're hating it and you're complaining about it, well, then you might want to reevaluate what it is that your goal is if you're not enjoying it. So you have to, of course, there's going to be good and bad days. Let's not kid ourselves. You're going to have days where, you know, maybe you had an awful ride because of the weather, you had a mechanical, you were sick or you had a rough day on the mats. You know, it's part of the process, but at the end of the day, you have to enjoy the process and, the journey to get to whatever it is that you're striving for.
0: Uh, Sean, you got any thoughts on this before I go to the question? I do,
4: real quick. Yeah, so the, um, the here's the good news for anyone who's listening right now, just uh, listening to the guest panel and, and understanding myself as the example. The good news is this, that irrespective of how you've run your program to date, how you've run your life, how how many mistakes you've made, how well or not you had mind-body connection, how overly focused or unfocused you were at at whatever point in your life. I'm listening to the panel and everyone gets it because they can look backwards and get a sense of things, get some perspective on things, understand, geez, I could have done it better then, but now I understand that and I'm doing it better now. Time will always correct. Time will always put you on the right path. As long as you stay focused on what your goals are, more goals will show up. And your your path as to how to achieve those goals, the process will smooth itself out. The process for you will become better the more you engage in the process. Eventually, you'll realize through reflection that, oh, I could have done this better, that better. Well, that's what you'll do now. But for now, if you're starting off in the game, if you're 15 years old, 20 years old, 25 years old, whatever the case is, if you're still trying to figure this stuff out, here's the good news, you'll figure it out. So don't put too much pressure on yourself and mind-body connection for now. That is a great point.
0: Um, okay, so I'm going to hit these comments real quick. Just Satch, morning team. Morning Satch, good to see you. He says, I've been called delusional. <laughs> Let's go, Jake Paul. <laughs> uh, I got one from Steve Wilson here. He says, there have been two athletes I know in mountain biking that suffered spinal cord injuries, considered catastrophic, and they are both back to walking, riding, and thriving. They both describe this feeling in their core slash center slash soul that uh, convinced their mind to engage with the work. Don't know what to call it, Seb, but I trust that it does exist. And I think that's a, a great point in the fact, Kind of goes into my question. I've always, I think it was Goggins, I think I heard it from. It was like, you know, when you think you're tired, you're actually only at 40%. Um, Nimsai. I don't remember. Nimsai? hmm Thank you. Um, couldn't remember exactly who said it, but I think we've all found it at times when you're doing physical work or you're doing something strenuous and you're super tired, but you just like, okay, <laughs> and, you ca- and you carry on. Um, so my question is more along the lines of coming back to the, the connection por- portion of it. Do you think that really the only distinction between what you are capable of and what you um, what you can do right now is the understanding of the sacrifices that are just like you're gonna have to drive your focus to a, to a T or to a point rather than a wide a wider bandwidth, if that makes sense. In order to achieve in order to attain the goals that you want, in order to get the things that you want to do, you just have to bring your focus into a finer point rather than a wider point. Seb, I'm gonna go to you first.
2: Mm-hmm yeah, if I understand what you're saying correctly, I think what we've discussed in in, in manifestation kind of can fill some of the gaps on that because yes, there are the actions that you're willfully taking and the actions that you are aware you're taking, and then there are the things that are subconscious that you are doing that are not contributing to your goal or contributing to your goal. And this is this is where this is where the difference is made. You know when we talk about manifestation yeah you can take the actions that are going to bring you to a world championship but it's the little things that you are doing because you are in that mindset that that are going to make a massive difference and those things often you cannot patternize them because you're not paying enough attention so we've spoken about this before in order for you to repeat a behavior you need to be able to patternize it you need to understand it because otherwise you will do exactly what i did as a purple belt in jiu-jitsu i have no clue how i got anywhere and then and then you just you just can't replicate the positions or you can't get the submissions that that you're really good at on account of not knowing what you did to get there in the first place. And so once you've established what your your way forward is, now you can start you can start using this pattern to do things in other areas of your life and and really start regaining some control. I say some control because there's only your attitude that you're controlling really. There's so many external factors that can that can interfere but we're not we're not necessarily worried about that so i believe that that's that's how this needs to be achieved paying attention to the little things that go that are innocuous that you are doing when you start lining up your actions with your thoughts i like that julie you got a thought
1: i agree it's the small details that can make a difference if you're trying to compete at a high level and one of the best things that you can do if you want to keep track of how you are moving forward or what you did that worked one day and perhaps uh, didn't work another day is make notes, make a journal. So when I always try to focus on something specific that I'm getting better at, I probably have like four or five notebooks on my desk here and I'll make notes. So how did the ride go? What was the temperature? What did I eat before? What did I eat during? How Know, what was my fluid intake, my sodium, my carbohydrates? How was my energy? How was my mindset? And then you can look back and say, Well, that was a great ride, and here's what I did. And maybe I can replicate this on my next ride, or this did not work well for me. How can I change that? And what can I do to improve next time? So just keeping track of those. So then you can look back and reflect on. The things that worked and did not work and then you can implement those on your competition day or in life
0: like that sean you got any thoughts
4: yeah we've all got a body we've all got a mind it's for us to decide what we want to do with it and there's the rub if you don't get to work on that then you don't get to work so you know you've got to figure out What's possible in life and how do you figure out what's possible? Well, you can, you know, hop on the internet and start watching uh, humans do radical things and think, "Ooh, I'd like to see if I can throw the longest frisbee in the world. Or you can hang out with people who do wild things, who do freakish things, who do larger than life things. I've been lucky in my life, I suppose. I've always been uh, in the stream of being surrounded by people who are rad people who really push the envelope, people who inspire me. And so I didn't know there was a thing called 24-hour solo mountain bike racing, but the moment that I found out, well, guess what? That's what I wanted to do because that inspired me because it sounded hard. Someone asked me a little while ago, actually it was Super Saiyan Magical Girl Tanya. She said, uh, did I hear correctly that you used to race 24-hour solos on a single speed hardtail? Yeah, I did. About 15 of my 24-hour solos were on... uh, or we on a single speed and then she asked me why and I said because it's harder and that's the reality of it man I, I pursue harder and harder and harder there there's levels to the game always in any game that you're in um in Kathy's world there's harder in Seb's world there's harder in in Julie's world there's in all of our worlds there's harder it's for us to decide whether we want to engage in that harder and that's what holds us back when we get comfortable, I feel when we are reluctant to reach out and touch that thing that is probably harder. Uh, I, I think that that's what uh, creates growth in all of us is Is being a little, not scared, but uh, being a little hesitant to reach out even further beyond the horizon and see what's over the, the crest of the horizon. I, once you get used to doing that, I think that's where the real magic is pushing yourself into the unknown and being comfortable with understanding that that is what makes us better at the mind-body connection.
0: I like that. Yeah, <clears> nice. Kathy, you got some thoughts?
3: Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Um, Sean's hitting it on the head too. It's, uh, uh, and Julie, with the patternizing, the journaling, it's so good. You got to put in the details, take the notes, do the journals, and then try to replicate. Um, you know, often I'll have people come up and ask, how do I become a stunt performer? And, uh, it's a common question and being 40 years in the industry, I've been, uh, asked that a million times and I wrote a book on it actually. And I usually give them a copy as soon as they ask, but the, um, uh, the question is not just, okay, here's the details. Here's the step number one. Here's the step number two. Here's step number three. It's such a combination of so many. You can't just become a stunt performer. It's not something you just say, I'm going to do this, graduate with my four-year degree, do this, and then I become one. It's, it's a million different things in, intertwined to become one, and sometimes you'll never become one. So I have to explain to them you know here's the steps which are you become a background performer for a long period of time first so you get used to what the set etiquette is how to act around on a movie set you know always be a background performer for many years you make your connections that way but mainly and most importantly become uh, familiar with the set and how things work and then second you know there's step one two three there's 10 steps you know go to acro gym at least four times a week you should be doing gymnastics three to four times a week for sure you got to get air sense you 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 should be getting your motorcycle license your pilot license you should go take some stunt driving courses um there's a whole bunch of different steps that you can write down for the person but it's also a matter of luck it's a matter of timing and most of all being perseverant persistent and have perseverance so i said that last one that's most important and you still may never with your perseverance with your persistence with your networking with your steps one to ten of the physical things that you've done um you still may never get that first break. It's sometimes just because that particular stunt, they needed a six foot seven person who could do front way splits because the skill was going, you know, one foot goes up the escalator, the other foot goes down the escalator, and the actor that you're doubling happens to be six foot seven. And they've searched all the union, they searched all the SAG, AFTRA and UBCP and couldn't find a guy that height, that weight that could do that particular skill. So somebody comes in from the outside. That's the only chance ever a non-union performer would ever get called that has that height, that weight, that look and that skill. And then only because he's done all the work, though, it's not just some guy off the street. It's because that particular this is a friend of mine. Actually, he got in because of this skill, and uh, you know he did all the work. He was networking constantly. He's going all the, the union meetings. He was making sure that every networking and stunt meeting he could get to and meet all the guys. Go to acro gym on Thursday nights where all the wannabe stunt performers go. You know, plus all the uh, the physical, the gymnastics five times a week. Got his motorcycle license. Did all the things. Got a unicycle, like I suggested. Not that you ever use unicycling in stunt performing. I've only ever had it one time, but I had to ride a ten foot unicycle through a drive through of McDonald's for that stunt. So I had that in my you know resume on there. But it's just weird stuff that you have to do all around, and put on all the put in all that work, plus all the details. Then it's luck and timing. And so he got in on that one skill now he's a very successful stunt coordinator out in the industry he put in the action he did the background he did the steps physically and then he did the timing and the luck part and um i think to manifest also comes into play because you have that frigid or that manifestation happening in your brain as well to keep your perseverance otherwise you'll never persevere in an industry like that because you're shut down 99.9% of the time you have to have a turtle shell on your back and slough off all the rejection um non in order to ever succeed in the industry in any even a small way so you in order to persevere and continue on the physical steps you have to have some sort of manifestation to keep your persistence. So I think in anything, regardless of if it's a stunt performer you want to become or a world champion IBJJF or a cycling world Guinness book record holder or whatever you're shooting for, manifestation has to be, I think, paramount and then all the other things underneath it to keep your perseverance. Sorry, that was really long-winded. Mm, no,
0: <laughs> it's all good. Um, it, it brings up an, an interesting point uh, on when when you're talking about luck and I've heard it referred to as uh luck only cares for the people that have the work if they don't have the work then you, you know the, the chances of you getting lucky are quite rare or um, i've heard you can only win the lottery if you buy a ticket right so you have to put in it at least the effort before you're capable of uh engaging in the win or getting the luck to actually work <laughs> in any way um which brings up a, a very interesting thought but any other thoughts on this
4: Sure, yeah. you got anything? Go for it. I do. Uh, I don't know much about the acting industry or the uh, that whole um, movie industry scene, uh, but I do know this: uh, some of the actors that I've I, I know loosely um, misattribute their path. They don't understand what path they're on. They're so focused on the outcome of being uh, the leading role of a movie, and when they don't get that, their life is a failure. They're completely unhappy with the trajectory that they're currently in of their own choosing because they're quote-unquote passionate about it but they're miserable because they're not getting that part that they wanted that bit part that 12 second part that almost no-name part but they're miserable because they're not getting the outcomes that they visualized they've lost sight of the true trajectory which is as you just listed off kathy learning how to fly, learning how to ride, learning how to blah, blah, blah. Things that are enriching our lives, that are making our body-mind connection more thorough, more robust, more capable. That is the journey, not the didn't get the part or did get the part. And so people who are on a outcome-based trajectory and they're not meeting their outcome are missing the overarching theme of what life is actually about. And that's richer experiences, a better mind-body connection.
0: I like get that because that really brings it back to why you're doing it in the first place, right? If you're, if you want to be a stunt performer just to be a stunt performer, well, then you get to do all the cool things, right? <laughs> if you want to be a soldier so you can shoot guns and throw grenades. And when you get, to, when you get the opportunity to do that, cool.
4: Good to Yeah. Go and to it's, o- it's only cool if it's something that you like doing. Exactly. I mean, can you imagine being a soldier holding a grenade in your hand and thinking, I hate this? I hate this, yeah.
3: <laughs> But to Come that on. point, sometimes, depending on the career, you may have to do the things you don't like just because oh, you sure. need to throw that in there as a skill building. And then it's like, geez, I hate yeah. doing this, but you know, this is going to help my resume. So I'm going to, you know, go withstand the um, whatever it is. And, and you get that on your resume and, and that helps too. And part of that is that other 20% we hate doing, we do it anyway.
0: Mm. I don't know many people that really enjoy waking up in the morning, like early, early <laughs> in the morning to when they got to be up at 4 or 5 in the morning to get to wherever it is that they want to do. I don't know many people that enjoy that. Um, but I know a lot of people that do it because it's part of the process. They have to do it because that's the time that they have available in order to X, Y, Z, right? So that's a, that's a great point because there's going to be things that you don't like doing but they are a part of the process and they, i think that's part of the mind-body connection no that is your mind driving the body because the idea or the why in which you're going after tells it no this is happening because it's required etc um, any other thoughts on that i just have one quick comment here before uh good Cool. Uh, So Steve mentioned this a a little earlier, and he says that's where a well-developed healthy mindfulness practice comes in, can be very impactful. And this is what I wanted to ask about is, how much does mindfulness, being able to perhaps disconnect from, not disconnect, to connect to the presence, to the present, how much does that play a role in achieving the connection, but also the goals? Uh, I'm gonna go to Seb on this one. What do you think?
2: Yeah, mindfulness is an interesting one because there's there's most people need it, and then there are people that are so much inside their head that they actually need to go outside, mm. uh, and 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 not so much, can, you know, try to try to look at it from the angle of somebody that that doesn't practice mindfulness, for example, that never takes the time to be in the moment and really smell, feel, and all the other senses that we possess that we don't tap into really because we're relying mostly on our visual senses and um you know if i if i can if i can make a little correlation to uh my world so i i love hiking and being nature because nature brings me an incredible amount of peace of inner peace and i and i just spend every moment i can't in nature every day and 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 recently or to, uh, last weekend i was going hiking. And I decided to shift the paradigm a bit and and go night hiking. I want to do the same hike that I love doing during the day, but I want to do it at night when you can't Mm -hmm. see. And the experience was completely different because I was feeling the hike instead of seeing it. Right. And I brought the kids along, of course. To give them that experience and we're and they were carrying these big torches and we s- basically told them stop the torches and go to red light because i want you to have the least amount if you bring your light to a night to a night event it's a day event now so it <laughs> it doesn't make it where you want it to be and so we ended up doing that and we ended up eventually not using lights and just walking with a bit of the moon that was shining and then then it was you know the swim that followed that up because swimming in the lake at night is is terrifying for some people and but it's a different experience and it's important to to do that so anyways i don't know exactly where i was going with this but i do believe that paradigm shifting your own patterns and as sean likes to refer to as pattern interrupt is an incredible piece of that and as tacky as it sounds life is about the journey it's not about the destination so you you need to take those steps as they go and switch things around and see outside the box and do things that are uncomfortable and, and, and really, really try to sort of keep yourself guessing, but also experiencing widening the the broad spectrum of experiences that you're having. And, and it helps you then when you are faced with a challenge, it helps you have something to fall back on and be like, I've been there before, or this is a difficult, you know, event that I went through, or this is a, a task that I took on that was very difficult and I was able to be successful in it. And so now you're starting to build a tracking history and you're tra- you're starting to build something that you can draw upon when times are tough. But if, you've, if you don't have that to to draw upon, as soon as life throws you a curveball, which it will, that's inherent, and, and you should enjoy that process. I enjoy the process of life. I enjoy knowing that uh, what is the next thing that's going to throw me off my game badly. I can't wait for this to happen so that I can rise to the occasion. But it takes time for people to embrace that mentality, and it needs to be done incrementally. Mm-hmm. So I went on a bit of a tangent, but...
0: I think it falls in line. Um, Julie, any thoughts on uh, the mindfulness piece or on what Seb was saying?
1: Yeah, following up with what Seb was saying, um, his point about, you know, you have something to fall back on in the hard times. So that's exactly it. If you have done the work and experience some of these challenges that may occur in life or in your event then you can fall back and say you know i've experienced this before and prepared, prepared and know how to handle it but having said that there will be moments and times as Seth was saying you know you can't wait for something to happen and he's got to rise to the occasion i mean a lot of people don't have that mindset but there will be times when things happen and that's when the mindset is important. You have to try to remain calm, even though maybe you're not prepared for the situation. If you remain calm, how are you going to best address the situation? And that's where mindfulness will come in and maybe just taking a couple slow breaths, just remaining calm and figuring out what is the best course of action that you can take in this moment. So you've got to engage with What's happening? What makes sense? Um, and then following up when he was saying about the uh, going out at night and the different experience—that's uh, the whole interesting thing with twenty-four hour mountain race, mountain bike racing—is that the evening everything is different. So the lights, different the sounds, the smells, all of it is different. The course gets different, so all of these new challenges come in. So it's a whole different experience that occurs at night and that's what makes it interesting it's almost like a a second race that's you know the daytime and now you're into the evening and that's a whole whole other element of the racing which makes it interesting and challenging
0: that's a great point kathy got the anything to
4: add on that
3: um yeah so i mean when rehearsal i think sometimes is important too if um we're talking about mindfulness for your competitions you Mm -hmm. this is what something i do anyways and maybe it's just superstitious but i go to the venue the night before and emulate and visualize in my head what exactly the techniques are going to be and how they're going to happen and exactly how the fight's going to go the next day and i think rehearsal or that type of visualization can be in any facet of um that mind body connection what you visualize and rehearse obviously is going to happen in your body. If you believe it will, it will. So that's just one little um, physical thing that I do. I always go the day before and rehearse and visualize and I'll actually have to be on the tactile, be on the mats, then I'm gonna fight on the next day and that sort of thing. The other thing what Seb was talking to about the um, going into, the, into nature I find I use this for a break from my temporary obsession and it's mainly because of my husband because he'll claw me away from my obsessiveness and make me go into nature and he knows that's where I can connect back again to I guess reality and um, I definitely through hunting have found that that's where I can connect because you have to hike to the top of tall mountains and we always hunt separately and he takes his quad one direction and I take my quad the other direction. We meet back after dark and talk about what we did during the day. And so we could get a side by side and do it together or ride together, but I need to be separate from him and just be on my own by myself, uh, walking through the woods with my rifle. And that's the most at peace and also connected i can never feel to my body i guess and then the focus of also having um, a deer or a moose or something that i'm chasing that that focus comes into play and then all the things that i was thinking about on the mats are just gone and I guess he's gotten to know me over the last 30 years and knows I need that sometimes. And regardless of it being hunting season or not, he'll take me out into nature and force me to just go hiking. And that is like a break, like a state break for me. And um, I don't know if others experience this because you get too obsessed. And then when you get too obsessed, you almost start, one negative thought comes into your head and then you obsess over that. And that's not good either. So you, a break from competitive training or just training and obsession is really helpful. And even if that's just two hours out in the woods to connect with something different to break your state, I find that's really helpful.
0: Absolutely. Goes to your Sean's point earlier about pattern interrupts. Got any, uh, Sean, you got any thoughts on mindfulness so far?
4: I do. So mindfulness can be misinterpreted, I feel, by a lot of people. Uh, the idea being that they're uh, being mindful in the moment as they work through all of their problems. That's not mindfulness, that's just a mind that is full. Mindfulness isn't mindfulness. And so uh, you've got to be in the moment. You've got to feel your feels. You've got to connect to the world around you. You've got to let your mind interact with your body in an em- as an empty shell to some degree. So that you can sensorially connect to the reality around you. Every bit of white noise that you put in between the real world outside of our shell, every little bit of white noise damages the signal that is coming in from the external world. The more white noise you inject into the process, the weaker the signal that you're getting from the real world, the more distorted The message is the more distorted the interpretation is as i feel Uh, so our job i think in respect to mindfulness for kathy as an example when she's hunting her job in that moment is to apply her sixth sense and so that's the point that i was going to try to make earlier i failed to it just didn't work out the idea that uh, our minds and our bodies connected uh, what What is what is capable? What What are we capable of with those two things combined? Well, we can do it as a solo journey where we figure it all out by ourselves or we can surround ourselves with people who've got a few things figured out that will help us push a little bit harder, expand a little bit more, seek or adventure more in life so that we can understand something that is called a sixth sense. Now, we all know the five senses, but what is a sixth sense? Well, first of all, in order for it to be a thing, you've got to believe it's a thing. And then once you believe it's a thing, then you've got to get to work on creating that thing to understand that it is a real thing. Now, I had my boys many years ago out just behind our house for quite a few uh, efforts, helping them work on their sixth sense. And what I would ask them to do is go hide. I'll try and find you. But as I'm walking towards you, I'm going to be using my sixth sense to determine where you are. It's your job to use your sixth sense to determine where I am. And I'm not talking about hearing me or seeing me. I'm talking about feeling me. If you can encourage someone to do more than they think they're capable of, now you're improving their mind-body connection just through an idea that it's possible. Then they get to work on it or not. And that is life, I think. What we want to work on is determined by what we think we want to work on. Our minds will tell us what we are going to connect to. And if your mind is saying, I want to watch Netflix for the rest of my life, your mind-body connection is a one out of ten. But if you want to go seek an adventure and pursue against the most epic life you can live through chasing things like sixth sense, seventh sense, 27th sense, whatever it is, I think that the act of uh, adventuring out into life to expand your mind-body connection is a real valuable journey.
0: I could not agree more, and that is a great place to uh, wrap it up for the day. The, the thought that keeps clicking in my head as you were talking, Sean, was uh, in Star Wars, they always say to the Jedi, reach out with your feelings. And that concept of, reaching out with your feelings, all your feelings, everything creates that connection, I think. And uh, I do love to be said there. So let's get some final thoughts on the mind-body connection. I know we have barely, barely scratched the surface on this, and we will definitely come back to it another time. Uh, Julie, some final thoughts on the mind-body connection?
1: Yeah, just following up on what Sean said, um, you know, you do have to be open to new ideas and engage with people who are at the top of their game so you can learn from them and move forward with that and that will allow you to you know just be open and improve your your mindset and then in turn your body so I mean in the end it's just about being connected being aware of yourself and your surroundings and knowing that if you do the work and you have the proper mindset, engage with positive people, that you will be able to achieve what it is that you're seeking in competition or in life.
0: Absolutely. Kathy, some final thoughts?
1: Um,
3: Yeah, I just noticed something that whenever I've had the negativity creep in and negative thoughts... Um, I tend to get sick and I notice that's my mind-body connection and maybe others. You know, your body just reacts to what your mind is thinking and there's a connection in a negative way. You got negative thoughts, you maybe drank some that, you know, did whatever that month and negative things are coming into play. It's funny how your body reacts and suddenly you're ill, you know, suddenly you've got that cold and it becomes a flu and um, so it can it can react in the negative way as well your body and in the positive way if you keep those positive thoughts going and you use your trigger words that's one thing that i do a lot i have trigger words which are positive when i find my state is switching to a negative way i'll tune into my trigger words and i have them written down and sometimes i put them on the fridge or somewhere near that you know yellow stickies around the house and i'll just say those trigger words and it's kind of like taking ejecting the negative tape sorry I'm old cassette tape out of my head and putting the new cassette tape back into my head and pushing play so or whatever modern way we can say that but um, I've always used that particular analogy because damn I'm thinking negative again my body's reacting I'm getting sick and then I can't go to worlds now because I'm sick well I wouldn't have done any good at worlds anyway I would have lost because it's black belts that can kill me and you know then I get sicker and you know and then I'm just I find my vicious cycle starting and unless my husband pulls me away and puts me in the woods to hunt, you know, I got to do it for myself. And so I'll get that cassette tape. I will literally physically see that happening in my mind of, I know what I have to do and throw it in the garbage. And then visually I'll put it back in my head and push play. And then it makes a mindset shift for me and it breaks my state. And when I've said in my mind, I'm now pushing play, everything becomes positive again and usually i get over the flu and i'm back to training and i have a good positive mindset about the world's coming up or whatever Hmm.
0: i like that that's my two cents seb some final thoughts
2: you're uh muted there buddy hold on sorry start start practicing that connecting with other things as well throughout the life and this is this speaks to the concept of of being grateful to the things that we take for granted and i'll give you an example of this it, it was said once to me very recently i've never seen anybody look so happy every time you drink lemon water with ice in it i have my lemon water with ice cubes in it and when i drink this i'm in heaven there is nothing that makes me happier and i actually felt recently that I, and this is going to sound totally weird and i'm told i'm fine with that i felt a connection with the lemon Within the water, you know, I felt a deep connection, like a respect almost for that lemon that's in there that's bringing, you know, this life to me and and water being such an important part of of human beings. But last night as well, I made a post about, have you ever looked up in the sky and say, I don't know why I'm still here, but thank you. You know, having and I was at the moment I was connecting with my dogging, uh, with my my walking the dogs and being outside when the sky was five different shades, and it, it this super super superseded the the visual. It was it was a spiritual experience, and and this is what I started experiencing life over the last probably five years. I've started experiencing life through connection to all the things that we take for granted on the daily. And I think when something happens in your life that, you know, sets you on your heels or, 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 or throws you back or adversity strikes, having those micro wins and understanding how lucky you are to have all the little things that you have is going to help set some perspective around what it is that's going on. But we're discarding absolutely everything we do. And we only focus on the big things we focus on the big achievement we focus on the big days we focus and it's not those things that are that are, that life is made of that that we need to be that we need to be anchored in what we need to be anchored in is the little things that we're able to do imagine if i wasn't able to drink water because somehow my 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 you know my system doesn't work properly and there are there are people out there that live with this and other conditions every day You know, hearing for the first time or seeing for the first time. Just imagine the joy that would come from doing that. Well, what if you you acted and treated life as if everything you do, you've done for the first time? Mm -hmm. What kind of connection could you achieve? So this is my actionable. Try
4: to start seeing deeper than what the eye can see. I love that.
0: Sean, final thoughts?
4: Yeah, and uh, to Seb's point, I think we're generally discussing now the being present in the now and appreciating the moment for what it is. So that lemon water isn't just lemon water. It's more than just lemon water if that's how you feel about the moment. And that's mind-body connection, man. It's your feels. It's it's not the emotions that I'm talking about. It's the feeling what you're doing right now, the, the feeling of connecting with everything around you. That is our mind connecting to the external world through our senses. And we have to take time in the now to understand what we're feeling, not as in happy or sad, but feeling the moment for what the feeling is. And you can only understand that by starting to do it, not not, not asking yourself, am I sad right now? That's not the feeling I'm talking about. I'm saying right now, feel what you're feeling from the (laughs) bandwidth that you're getting from the external world right now. And in time, the more you focus on that, the more you understand that, the more you can play with that, the more you can expand further into perhaps feeling that sixth sense of the guy across the street who's looking at you and doesn't think that uh, you're aware of it. Sixth sense is something worth pursuing for sure. Uh, if you never get there, that's cool because uh, you'll better understand your five senses and feeling the moment. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. I was, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, you know, the taste inside of my mouth and the fact that I can feel the bristles on my beard from my thumb and all of the, the little things that we take for granted that we don't really actively think about. And I, I really, I appreciated, as you guys were talking, I was finding that connection as I was going and I appreciate it it was good so um <clears throat> as we all learn how to take those little moments and build them into our everyday lives we can grow into the people that we're supposed to be and we can do that every day here on the collective we'll see y'all tomorrow Chimo. Chimo.